my friends. The great experiment. Prodigy. Prodigy. Head trick. Would you look at that? The greatest trick. Trick. Would you people? You're all astronauts. Some kind of star trick. Welcome to Greatest Trek. It's the new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. How you doing, Ben? <laughs> I was just looking at my office in the little Slack video window. Friends of DeSoto watching along at home can see this. Yeah, we've used many video conferencing softwares over the years as we've recorded this show. We used to just use audio conferencing software that was like professional-grade radio-oriented audio conferencing software. That was great. Yeah, we don't use that anymore for some reason. I don't remember why. (laughs) I think it was its great expense. Yeah, it was very expensive. We're trying to roll those savings into Mm -hmm. podshop.biz. Podshop.biz? Yeah, we passed the savings on to you so that the USS Hood bomber jacket can be only $120 and not like $400. (laughs) I'm looking at my office and I'm seeing like even normal colored lighting and I'm wondering if I need to get internet lighting for my office. Should I get one of those uh, sets of uh, LED panels that, you know, they're triangles that you make a little design with along your wall or should I get you know, some lights. I saw to... a box of those at Popular Warehouse Club store. Oh not yeah, that long ago. Yeah, you can get a, a whole pallet of them. A pallet of internet lights. Yeah, at Popular Warehouse Club store. Maybe we should both get some of those. That'd be fun. Do you think they work when you get them at that store, or do you have to return them? Do you have to run a bunch of wires to them? I don't want to do that. I don't want a bunch of exposed wires. Yeah, that's the one real drawback of internet lighting. Is uh, I don't I don't know that they thought about the wiring issue. Yeah. I should have made my acoustic tiles semi-transparent so I could fill them with lights. (laughs) That would have been a good idea. Was that an option when you were specking them out? Very few options Hmm. at my purveyor of acoustical tiles. You know, I offered to make you acoustical tiles, and we could have dialed this in exactly the way you wanted. You did offer, and initially I took you up on them, and instead I decided to spend money instead of getting into a project that might have created a fight between us. So. <laughs> that's why you decided? <laughs> to me, that's money well spent. <laughs> wow. I don't know what fight you thought we were going to have. I don't know. Sometimes you work on a project with someone. Like Not a, a podcast like, like this. Like making a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> now I'm talking about like an actual project. Uh. And uh, it doesn't go great. I'm trying to avoid opportunities for conflict wherever possible, Ben. Wow. Well, I appreciate that about you. Yeah. I just looked at my phone. Somebody ordered that bomber jacket while I was looking at it. There's the one. (laughs) It's all been worth it. (laughs) I love that Podshop and the way it works, like, this shouldn't work. It shouldn't be possible to bring any dumb idea we have to market. Yeah. But because of the way Podshop operates, we can put out all kinds of feelers and just see what happens. Yeah. And even if we sell one, <laughs> it is not a Podshop crippling decision <laughs> the way it used to be. We're recording this the day that that bomber jacket went into the store. We had been working on that for a long time. And because of the expense of it, we didn't want to put it up before we like got a proof and made sure that it was actually really good. And so I went out on the porch this morning to retrieve a package and money's a bit tight around my house right now. We've got a new baby. We've got childcare expenses that are new to our budget. We've got diaper expenses that are new to our budget. We have a leaky building that we need to fix and that's a big unexpected expense. I go out on the porch and bring in a package this morning and this has never happened, but my wife goes, what did you buy? <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> ben, can I ask you, was the packaging discreet? Yeah, it was marked not Star Trek podcast merch on the outside. God, what a relief that is to so many friends of DeSoto out here, out there who are uh, who are watching at this very moment. I uh, 
without answering, opened up that package and put on that jacket. And my wife was even more dismayed. And I was like, no, no, this doesn't cost anything. This is, we had to get a, a proof sent out. We just, She's had never going to believe that. We had to get a sample. <laughs> she never believed it, did she? Uh, she, 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 uh, she was assuaged eventually. I, I mean, I understand her concern. Let me tell you something, Ben. Hmm. The first time a box hits our porch that my wife opens and I utter the words, what did you buy? Like, I wouldn't even be able to end the sentence <laughs> before all of my shit would be thrown out into the street. There would be. And I'd be asked to leave. There would be divorce papers crammed into your mouth before the sentence was complete. Divorce papers would somehow be in the box she was opening. <laughs> Just ready to go. And yet, when for some reason my ice maker got shipped to your house, that was a giant kerfuffle. Oh, yeah. She's got opinions about your shipments, too. (laughs) It's outrageous. Oh. Oh, buddy. (laughs) I need to get a P.O. box for me. Like eating fast food I'm ashamed of. I can just open my packages in the car somewhere far away throw away the packaging secret eating when you opened the box of sound treatment panels what did you think about that oh a real live person came over and installed them oh so it wasn't that kind of situation instead she just got up in this guy's face and asked what the (laughs) hell he was doing here (laughs) who the fuck are you and why are you in my house (laughs) who authorized this expenditure (laughs) She doesn't have her hands on our company budget yet, Ben. Mm. Yet. Thank God she doesn't. Yeah. Actually, probably our company would be running a lot more smoothly if she did. Her wife's really on top of shit. It'd be way less fun if that were the case, Ben. (laughs) We're running a fun operation here. A lot fewer meals at Cheesecake Factory for you and I if, uh, (laughs) if your lovely wife was on top of this. It's our job. Yeah. That's our gerb. They took your job! They took your job! job. If our special people in our lives don't get it by now, they're just never going to get it. (laughs) That's the truth. Well, I want to get to this episode, Adam. we got a big episode of uh, Star Trek Prodigy to talk about today. That's right, Ben. How many episodes are there in season one? I guess we'll find out when it's all over. At this point... (laughs) It's episode 17, and it's called Ghost in the Machine. You know the greatest danger facing us is an irrational fear of the unknown. my mark, go fast. Wasn't there like a horror film named that in the 90s? Yeah, I think there was. I'm looking this up on IMDb. I'm thinking of Ghost in the Cell, which is not a horror film, right? Oh, I'm thinking of Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a different uh, place for the ghost to be. And then I'm also thinking of Ghost in Michelle, which is a <laughs> This Ain't a Ghost in the Shell movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ghost in the Machine, 1993, rated R. An electric surge causes a serial killer's soul to end up in a computer system. Starring Karen Allen. Wow, well, this is a great big surprise to any friends of DeSoto listening right now. This episode (laughs) is now about that movie. (laughs) Ghost in the Machine. Plug in to your worst nightmare. The protostar is being chased by rogue Romulans. Yeah, rogue Romulans on one side, the USS Shovel on the other. They're really between a shovel and a rom place. Jesus, I wish you hadn't said that. They're fucked, Adam. (laughs) They're fucked because, like, the the one main thing about the Protostar is that they cannot attempt to communicate with the shovel ship. Right. For fear of transmitting their awful virus. They transmit their awful virus into the USS shovel. It will mean the end of the Federation as we know it. Right. And so they try something very clever, which is shooting phasers using a Morse code off the bow of the USS shovel. Yeah. I thought this was so clever, but it doesn't work. (laughs) Why doesn't it work? It's so clever, but they don't get it. They don't get it. Janeway's over there shooting torpedoes like there's an endless supply. Do you think she really relishes in the idea of (laughs) 
<laughs> of a new ship just full of torpedoes? Just an inexhaustible supply of them? This was a question in my mind because I was like, oh, man, they're getting shot at by the USS Shovel. The Morse code is going ignored. Is that because the Diviner and the Vindicator have taken over somehow? Even though there's only two of them, that one judo chop was enough to get them in charge of the entire ship? You got a dreadnought that can look like any table on the ship. They can go anywhere looking like a table. Blend right in. I mean... Could the dreadnought become a glass table, though? Or does he have to be opaque? Yeah, and if you set a drink down on dreadnought, do you have to use a coaster? Or is the dreadnought (laughs) kind of uh, proof to the the ring, you know? (laughs) That's like they institute a bunch of anti-dreadnought planning <laughs> among the ship. Like they go, just go quarters to quarters setting drinks with condensation on all the coffee tables aboard the ship. Yeah, it's like the time they had to consider the possibility that anybody at Starfleet HQ was a gold. They right. had to like broad stream phaser every room yeah. just to make sure. This is a lot less effort. It's every crew person is ordered to replicate something cold, <laughs> set it on their Federation-issued coffee table, and yeah. wait. Uh, yeah, see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> if it rusts out your dreadnought, you know yeah. you're safe. But yeah, the uh, this is in fact just a simulation. They're trying to solve the problem of how do they get out of the neutral zone? Because now that they're in the neutral zone... They sort of don't have anywhere they can go that's safe. So uh, this is a a simulation that they're running, and they've run it a whole bunch of times. Nothing fucking works. Nothing they try. They are no Bradward Boimler in a Borg simulation, you know? Do it again. Hit me! I really admire that they didn't turn down the difficulty level of their simulation. Like, they're playing it on All Madden, and they're not changing it to Rookie. (laughs) True, but they kind of lose their stamina here, and they just want to go unwind, and best place to do that is in the mess hall, and the best thing to do it with, ice cream, Adam. Is that what this is? Yeah, it took two watches for me to figure out that that's what this is. Scoops of ice cream. Because Jenkum Pog calls them bowls of sadness? Yeah. Many times. Yeah. And I was like, maybe... That's what ice cream should be called. In stressful times like this, Jenkum Pog knows just the solution. I want a failure pile in a sadness bowl. I think that's Deanna Troy's coinage, actually. Mm, yeah. She'll show you how to, how to draw a spoon through the sadness. Relish every bite. Make everyone an event. I think in the last episode, we were talking about how the facial expressions on the show and just the detail in general is becoming almost photorealistic, like for a cartoon. Yeah. And the ice cream in the scene is another example of it. It is impossibly beautiful and delicious looking. You get this show on a giant television set. It really looks amazing. What are the purple flecks, though? Is that like grape candy or something? Let me ask you a possibly divisive question. Okay. Well, the first one, not very divisive. Do you like a mint chocolate chip ice cream or a chocolate chip ice cream generally? Big fan. My wife doesn't care for it, so I don't often get to buy it because, uh, you know, it's not fair. I love this ice cream. It's my favorite ice cream. But there are differences between the chips based on the brand. Do you like a uniform chip or do you like a irregular shatter chip kind of situation because these chips on these scoops of ice cream are totally uniform and evenly spaced. Yeah, like I I think what I'm looking for is maybe like somebody hit an after eight with a hammer and then (laughs) sprinkled that in to the ice cream as it was being made. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Yeah. Wafer thin, but irregular. I like the chips being difficult to chew. Like they are, they're too thick to break easily. Mm, damn. So you got to roll them around in your mouth a little bit before they thin out. You're a kinky freak. Holy shit. Yeah. What's your brand? Do you have a power ranking? I don't. There have been a number of, of scoop shops opening up 
around LA where we mm-hmm. used to live there was a, a really cool ice cream shop called Wondery I think oh yeah and that place was great isn't there one in your new neighborhood that's called like cough syrup flavored ice cream that's a shitload of cough syrup flavored ice cream yeah <laughs> yeah it's called do you like cough syrup flavored things <laughs> pile it on the greatest trend is yet to come the kids are uh, sitting there goofing on their uh, their tormentors, you know. Pog is talking about how much he hated that one Tellerite officer he ran into. I guess Gwen is talking about how much she wants to physically hurt her father. Yeah. <laughs> all in good fun. They're all feeling that feeling of having eaten too much. Yeah. Dal has been, like, burning the candle at both ends though like references made to the fact that he hasn't been sleeping because they've they've been working so hard on the make contact with starfleet without ruining everything problem yeah and uh it's recommended that he get some sleep and uh he wants to go let the darkness take him i know the feeling and uh when he does the uh computer seems to turn on some music he's like not really in the mood for crooner music now, this is not how anyone gets to sleep. Not at all. No. Got to turn that off, but it won't turn off. And then, like, Gwen sees a uh, feral human running around the ship, and uh, Pog finds a glitter smooch in the hallway. Fucking hate it when there's a glitter smooch in my hallway. You get one glitter smooch in your hallway, and then there's fucking glitter in your house for the rest of your life. <laughs> you know, some people believe a glitter smooch would be a great gift. Yeah, like, oh, funny. Or a surprise thing to give a couple of people that you say you like. Yeah. Not funny. Not funny, not nice. (laughs) Everyone's seeing apparitions. Or maybe they are real at this point. I don't know. The gang gets together to talk about it. Why are there holodeck characters outside the holodeck? Maybe none of them left the holodeck at all at the end of their little practice session. It wasn't real? The ship. The mess hall. (gasps) The ice cream. There's some fog, and then when it clears, they're like outside a lighthouse, and they're in Zero's recreational program, which seems sort of like the computer game Mist, maybe? I thought the same thing. And... Like, Zero's stock doesn't need to get any lower with me. Like, oh, yeah, of course Zero's a Mist kid. <laughs> All they want to do is play Mist or talk about Mist. I couldn't figure Mist out. I couldn't either. Everyone said it was amazing. It wasn't fun to me. I think kids our age confused amazing with boring. It was so confusing that it wasn't fun because it took forever to do anything. There wasn't any satisfaction if you actually made progress in the rare event that you did. Ooh! Found a clue! This is dumb. This game is called the Cellar Door Society, and it's sort of like a uh, like a dinner mystery. And Zero's like, oh, well, this will get us out of the program because you solve the mystery and then the arch appears at the end. That's how this game works. God, what a dork. <laughs> Zero is such a dork. So there's a bunch of... Uh, Letters get slid under the door, and like really dorky letters, like the kind where somebody's gone to the trouble of sealing them with wax. I thought these looked more like uh, the letters you cut out of a magazine to give to uh, a parent of a hostage you've taken. (laughs) Seems like that, but it's not. Not really, anyway. They put their pages on top of one another, and that's when the game really begins, because... All of the pages on top of each other form the title for the program, which is The Case of the Skeleton Key. Right. The Skeleton Key will be the thing that they're looking for. That's the thing that's missing. Did you feel like the paper looked really, like, it almost looked like tortilla thick? When they're handling these pages, they're both translucent. They're so thin, but they're also... (laughs) Also look like they could be made out of like masa and water. <laughs> They're so thick. I was wondering if there's some like principle in 3D animation about like how you deal with something that is like essentially two dimensional. Oh, interesting. Because probably something that is like infinitely thin is 
super easy to do in a program like this, but might look weird, you know, in the render because of it or whatever. So they like made the paper like thick, but then it's like, eh, but then it wouldn't be see-through, <laughs> you know? It's why the Stephen J. Cannell production logo could only be made in 85, like because they were only rendering in mm. 2D mm. at the time. They could easily do that render right. now in 2022. <laughs> Bill Tilly is just delighted by that bit of material, Adam. <laughs> by that very stupid reference. <laughs> Man, I'm like, I just looked up a picture of Stephen J. Cannell. Yeah. What's he look like? <laughs> like a slab of ham and a leather jacket and a giant belt buckle. <laughs> God. Does anyone look more 80s than Stephen J. Cannell? No, he looks like the decade of the 1980s in human form. Look at that guy. Oh, man, he's my, he was my neighbor until 2010. He lived in Pasadena. Ah. RSVP. He's interred at Forest Lawn Memorial Park in the Hollywood Hills. We'll have to go He'll visit sometime. <laughs> Why are we talking about this? Why are you laughing? <laughs> I just can't figure out how. Are you doing an improvised eulogy yeah, right now? I guess now? so. Am I not getting uh, the bit? <laughs> uh, a lot of people don't know that he was uh, actually raised in Pasadena as well. So he, he kind <laughs> of uh, started and ended life in the same town. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he lived and died how he wrote. In a denouement. <laughs> Yeah, this has become a Stephen J. Cannell retrospective cast. Wow, that's... Hey, no one steal that idea. That's what we're going to do at some point. Stephen J. Cannell cast. <laughs> yeah, if we ever get an opportunity to pitch like a big money podcast network on a concept, I think that's got to be on the list, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a real belief in our ability mm -hmm. right there. Mm -hmm. We need to score a lot of black fast. Licensed businessmen. Top of the morning to you. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. This year, don't just chase rainbows. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in Below the Kilt Care. I didn't make that up. That's actual copy sent to us by the great folks over at Manscaped who make the shaver that I use downstairs on my little leprechaun. And uh, I recommend it. Uh, it works great. Uh, trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with their new signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit plus Handyman Electric Face Shaver. Everything they make is really good and high quality, and this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals. And they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. That's code TREK50 at factormeals.com slash TREK50 to get 50% off. Hi, Adam Pranica here for Podshop.biz, the easy way to dress, drink, and decorate virtually anything fast 
with embarrassment that lasts. Podshop.biz is not a cult, and it's not a multi-level marketing scheme. It's a supercharged carousel of crap spinning at a high rate of speed for all your dorky needs. Ordinary web stores are a mess, but with Podshop.biz, you'll find products from all of our shows referring to many of our most popular bits. Shirts, glasses, and bags from other websites can damage your mood, but not with Podshop.biz. Our nerdy, jokey bullshit will rebuild your damaged attitude and turn you into a person with riz. Turn your laptop from off the shelf to off the hook with a sticker. Make pool time cool time with our line of hilarious swimwear. And stop raw-dogging your smartphone. Strap it up with the choice of designs that'll have you go from saying hello to hello. But that's not all. At podshop.biz, you can choose from the Brenner Information Systems Collection, the Uxbridge Shimoda Corporate Collection, this old enterprise, logos for Greatest Generation and Greatest Trek, and more. Order now at podshop.biz. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Well, this is a new ship. She's got the right name. She's got the right name. Now you remember that you hear. Now you remember that you hear. So the skeleton key, that's what they're looking for. Yeah. They got to go through this door where there's like heavy duty rock music playing through it. And they see a, a Tuskman motorcycle gang outside this door. That's not what Mist is. I would have played a lot of Mist if there was a motorcycle gang in it. Yeah, if there was a fist fight with a motorcycle gang in a back alley, that would have made the game a lot more fun. And they're like, what does this have to do with finding a key? And Pog is like, no, 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 now we're in my program. This is my, uh, like, vent steam after being insulted by that doctor. I just, like, go take it out on simulated Tuskman. And it's so fun because, like, the safeties are on, so I can't get hurt, but I can hurt them. Worf used to do this all the time. This is a Tuskman calisthenics program. <laughs> yeah, precisely. And uh, so he starts tossing tusks, but then they realize that the safeties are not as on as they had previously thought. And Pog is getting like actually beaten up while Zero is talking about, hey, it's weird that like my program had a door into your program. Doesn't that seem strange? And so they all have to get involved in this fight. This is like a... Uh, you know, all hands on deck situation. And they're like asking hologram Janeway, like, hey, can you please turn the safeties back on? We're children. We don't want to get murdered by bike gangs <laughs> in our recreation program. And hollow Janeway's like, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not working. So Dal gives his command code to hologram Janeway to try and reinitiate the safeties that way. I was shocked that a child would have a command code this complex sounding. Yeah, where did he get it? At what point did they formally set him up as the like root access user on the Protostar? 
you can't think of this stuff while watching the show, Ben. <laughs> like, you break the show. I got to turn my mind off a little bit more. <laughs> you just need to accept that children are running the ship and are permitted to run mm-hmm, the ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess, I guess you have a good point. You know, when he says this, it made me wonder if that was Chakotay's command code also. Mm. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's what it is. Dallas command code is Janeway 6969. <laughs> Hello, Janeway's like, what did you say, Dal? I wasn't quite sure I heard that. Can you repeat that? Janeway sudsed up in a bathroom 6969. <laughs> Sorry, hold on. I accidentally just clicked a link. You accidentally just played the Stephen J. Cannell <laughs> logo? Stephen J. Cannell logo. I don't know how Slack works, so it just it just popped up there. I thought I was getting a text. That's what my phone plays every time God, I get one. Where do you get a tan like Stephen J. Cannell had? Uh, in a tanning bed in the 80s. I love that he put himself in his own logo right? like that. You know? Yeah. Like, hey, great. come shoot me in my office surrounded by my Emmys typing away. <laughs> it is such a flex. <laughs> Who would dare do that anymore? You better have office confidence <laughs> to put your home office in your own logo. You know, the way the, the pages curl up in the animation at the end has a little bit of a Carol Co. energy to it. I think it's one of the reasons that I like it. Is like, <laughs> I will rock a Carol Co. shirt from time to time. I would totally rock a Stephen J. Cannell shirt. Yeah. Is that available? Should we reach out to the Cannell estate and see if we can license the logo for podshop.biz? Who is the purveyor of Stephen J. Cannell merchandise? Who's the executor of the Cannell estate? I have a feeling we'll find out pretty fast the moment we put the Stephen J. Cannell shirt on the store. (laughs) Dear sirs, I'm the attorney representing... (laughs) And the attorney's letterhead... Is uh, is like a picture of themselves in their yeah, own office, surrounded by their law awards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this guy really rolled with a type. <laughs> yeah, he takes the gavel off of his desk and like throws it onto a pile of gavels, and it forms the logo for his law firm. <laughs> So anyways, they win the fight against the motorcycle bad guys, and Rock Talk does the final clobber. And this is incredibly triggering for Rock Talk after her traumatic early childhood experience with the hero. And so she is just inconsolable for the rest of the episode, totally shattered by having to engage in a physical altercation of any kind. And it gets really ugly from here on in. I mean, whatever shuts her mouth. <laughs> it's fine by me. Uh, no, it goes to black and white, and uh, this guy's got a tat on his chest that says Key Club, and so they like look up, and now at the end of the alleyway, there's like a marquee with the Key Club, and they go in there, and uh, this is Murph's fun time program where Murph plays Murphy No Shoes, the crooner at the Key Club Cafe. There's some speculation about whether Murph can actually sing in this or if Murph is lip syncing. Oh, interesting. I always thought this was Murph singing. I didn't think this was a a sort of crooner drag. No, I think there is a a tossed off line in there. It might be zero that suggests that uh, like maybe Murph is uh, is lip syncing. A Murphy Vanilli situation, if you will. (laughs) Murph? The rest of the group splits up and looks around. They just sort of let Murph yeah. do this. Like, Murph gets to actually play in his own holodeck program yeah. in a way no one else gets to. I guess Jenkinpog played in his program when he was uh, getting into fistfights with Motorcycle Tuskman. Yeah. But there's no threat of death here while standing on stage. I mean, there's more Tuskmen. There's Tuskmen everywhere. And so, like, yeah. Pog does get in trouble with some of them when he, like, grabs their briefcase and opens it up and finds a MacGuffin inside. It's beautiful. God damn it. What is it? Also, the Diviner works at this bar as a old-timey bartender slinging dranks. Really the most unbelievable part of this episode and this program is that a club this popular wouldn't have a line to get a drink from this bartender. 
Gwyn can walk right up. Yeah. Although, like, I feel like an old-timey place sometimes has that figured out in a way that's a little bit hard to wrap your mind around. That's true. Like, I went to Musso and Frank, and we did not get to sit down, but we got our drinks, like, really fast in a way that I, I found super impressive. I wonder how annoying it is to serve someone tea at a bar. Like, tea is available. Yeah. You see it on the menu everywhere. Very few people I know have ever ordered it. Do you think that's a bummer for a bartender to get that going? Yeah, it's it's not rote the way like pulling a draft beer or yeah. like making a highball is. Like it's it takes like a mental effort that you're unaccustomed to expending. And it's the least expensive item on the menu. It's like three dollars and yeah. an equal amount of work. I mean he kinda asks for it. Like when Gwen rolls up, she orders a scotch neat and then he cards her and when she can't prove that she's over twenty one, he's like, All right, well you can order something that's non alcoholic and she's like, I don't know, uh tea. Very telling here that when Gwen puts her vessel of steaming jumja tea onto the bar, the bar recoils like, Ow Hot <laughs> It's dreadnock <laughs> There he is there's a big circular cupping style bruise on his back. Is Jemja's tea made from the same thing as Jemja's sticks? Has to be. Yeah. Has to be. So is it sweet? I mean, it seems like a sweet tea would be appropriate for a kid, which Gwyn definitely is. Yeah. All right. So that makes sense. Yeah. Anyways, Dreadnought uh, unfolds and, and murders her, and uh, that's the end of the episode. How does a glitter smooch get a seat at a table in this club and Zero or Rock Talk can't find a place for themselves? Yeah, that's too bad. They're talking about how the program's merging seems to be motivated because mm-hmm. if it was just all the programs in the holodeck merging, it would be way more random, but it's the programs that they use. Mm-hmm. So the holodeck seems to be either trying to show them something or is up to something specific in a way that a generalized glitch wouldn't be. Rocktag notices that there's one bad key on the piano, and keys are the subject of the game. Hmm. That leads then to exploring the piano as the next clue, and this is great timing because all those uh, angry Tuskmen are uh, about to beat them all up again. So they open up the piano, and it turns out it's a portal to another world. It's a hurl. What's the piano's opening called? Oh, in the top? Yeah, I was thinking a lot about this when I was watching. I was like, what are they, like, the lid, right? There's a lid on a piano, and then, <laughs> yeah. and then there's... There's got to be a fancy name for it, right? I know. I didn't have the word for it. Piano opening name. That's just going to give me, like, the name of song intros that are on. What are the parts of a piano called? Hold on. Here we go. Case, fallboard, slash key lid. So that would be the part that covers the keys. Yeah, yeah. Lid and outer rim. The lid, also called the top. Uh Uh-huh. There's Uh, a piano player concerned about the size of the piano's opening. (laughs) I don't know if the opening has a name specifically. At least not according to zinginstruments.com. Hmm. Well, this has got a real Mario pipe quality to it, right? They like hop in the top of this piano and then they spill out the bottom on the deck of a ship. A pirate ship. Arr. Here's another part that you really have to suspend some disbelief, Ben. That doll specifically would know what a pirate is because dolls start speaking piratees. Yeah. When he would really know nothing about that. No, kids are into that stuff, Adam. Kids love pirates, huh? Yeah. Most kids learn about pirates from the movie Goonies. How did you learn about pirates, Ben? I learned about it much later in life from the video game Assassin's Creed. (laughs) Jeez, you had to wait that long? That's so sad. We gotta watch Goonies for the show sometime. Wow. Gotta get you current on Goonies. (laughs) All right. So this pirate ship is quickly besieged by one giant tentacle, 
and then another giant tentacle, and then lots of giant tentacles, like rising from the sea and slapping down on the deck of the ship. Yeah, it's a glitter smooch kraken. Yeah. And uh, it's going to destroy the damn ship. <laughs> the treasure of the skeleton key is going to have to be set aside while they defend themselves from this thing. And the glitter smooch is from Rock Talk's game, which sounds like sort of a Tamagotchi-style game where Rock Talk plays with cutesy animals and raises them and maybe, like, treats them for cutesy animal diseases. Yeah. I mean, just the name Glitter Smooch, it seems like the sort of thing a a much older person would not want to come home from work with (laughs) on their collar. (laughs) Right. Gonna take a a lot of splaining to get out of uh, hot water if you've got a glitter smooch on your collar. Yeah. Some odd-looking glittery puffball is giving me kissy lips. So Rock Talk realizes that this particular glitter smooch is hungry, so loads one of the pirate cannons with fruit and fires it, but because of the, like, muzzle velocity of the cannon, this just blows the glitter smooch's head apart, and it's, like, so bloody. And Rock Talk, again, is just so deeply traumatized by what happens here. It's a lot. A lot of blood and gore goes into the ocean that day, my friends. Very, very upsetting. They whip pan over to, like, the cabin of the ship, and there's an old man in there. He's like, uh, have you ever seen a glitter smooch? Once she's got you and the <laughs> eyes roll back. <laughs> like a doll's eye. <laughs> He's like showing different glitter smooch scars he yeah. got. <laughs> Four crew people of the protostar under the water. <laughs> <laughs> So Zero is like, again, kind of distracted because the ship is going down and Zero's like, but it doesn't make any sense. The game just keeps giving us different clues. At any point, Zero could have taken off their suit and murdered the sea hugger and the pirates and all of them, right? Like, Oh, wow. I didn't even think of that. They've chosen not to kill. Yeah. So it's kind of an endless escape room. Like the, the yeah. holodeck is just wasting their time. Or to me... An escape room. (laughs) (laughs) And so the real mystery is, why is the holodeck doing this? The mystery to me is, why are there escape rooms? I've never actually done one. Have you done one? I don't enjoy them. Oh. I think the reason why is- Some people do, Adam. They reveal my my true personality, and my true personality is just someone who does not care to put in the effort to escape from the room. (laughs) Like, after a certain number of steps, I'm like, I would much rather be at the bar next door, uh-huh. chopping it up, uh-huh. Uh-huh. instead of, like, aiming a sundial with <laughs> a laser and doing a bunch of math using uh, coat check tags and so forth. So, what dorky task do we have to do? A good friend of mine owns an escape room in Orlando, Florida, and uh, I've I've always wanted to try it, but I've never I've never done it before. I think escape rooms would be cooler if they were more like human-sized games of mousetrap. Like if oh. the stuff inside was huge, was yeah. like really fun and big. But instead, this is just my experience. I'm sure there are good ones. This is a partitioned warehouse space. With a bunch of shit on the walls. No, Adam, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure that the proliferation of escape rooms, the fact that basically every major city has one or two of them now, is a testament to them being bad and not fun. And you're <laughs> totally right about this. Why do they want me to have a meal there also? I'm looking around for places open for lunch, and you go to this place in a city you're not familiar with, and it turns out being an escape room? <laughs> That's a trick. That's an upcharge, Adam. Yeah. So they start to speculate about why they're trapped, and it turns out Hologram Janeway tried to minuet them. Bad look for Hollow Janeway. Indeed, Adam. But uh, they're in the midst of this accusation when they explain quickly that it is also not Janeway's fault because 
Janeway has been manipulated by the living construct. Yeah, they replay the footage, Paolo Janeway. You can see that red crap in her eyes, so you know it's not her fault. You see the living construct on the grassy knoll. (laughs) You see the children's holodeck programs going back and to the left. (laughs) Yeah. Hollow Janeway feels awful about this. Yeah. Not her fault. There's a moment where Rock Talk is like super betrayed feeling. Like, was it all a lie? Like, we wanted to go to the Federation and you were telling us about how great it was. And now you like got us stuck here. And Hologram Janeway's like, no, 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 no. It wasn't me. I think the show has got to think a lot about moments like these a little differently than a typical science fiction show, right? Because you can break all of the usual suspects, coffee mugs in all of the episodes of Star Trek that you want, and it hits in a certain way. But when you start messing around with an authority figure that the kids trust on your kids' show, I wonder how differently that hits for them. Because we've had 17 episodes of Hollow Janeway being a trusted caretaker and part of the team, and an encouragement. If Hologram Janeway turned out to be Ash from Alien and like right. was stringing them along and was actually in control the entire time and put them all in harm's way, that would be such a dark turn for this show. There's so little air at the end of this episode between this revelation and the end of it, and I almost wonder how intentional that is, because the longer you think about the implications of this, the darker your view has to become. Yeah, that's true. So when they realize that they have had their time wasted, the end to which their time was wasted was to get the ship back on a course for Federation space. And as they're kind of figuring this thing out about Hologram Janeway, they go up to the bridge and find that they are in the crosshairs of the USS Shovel. These kids are hanging on a fucking cliff. And this time, it's not a simulation. Did you like this episode? I mean, I liked it up until I started having questions about the revelation of Hollow Janeway and what that does to a kid. But this is the challenge I have at the end of most Star Trek Prodigy episodes. It's like, I look at it from Adam perspective and I'm like, this is fun and good. But then I try to get into the mind of a child watching this Mm -hmm. and I'm like, this is horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) And that's got to be related to the challenge of what it's got to be like to create children's programming if you're an adult. Yeah. there are no kids in this writer's room. Like, you're adult people writing for kids. How do you know what's going to be traumatizing? I don't know. I mean, they don't actually show the kids dangling off a cliff. So I feel like that's no. one bit of restraint that they're doing here. You know, they do that on Voyager, but not on Star Trek Prodigy. Yeah. What they need to do at the beginning of the next episode is like put together the trust in Hollow Janeway as soon as possible, right? But it doesn't seem like they'll be able to do that because it is a conflict situation immediately. Yeah, I think that they like they did a pretty good job of writing around that in the Jacques scene where they're like, okay, Hologram Janeway was being manipulated. This wasn't, you know, and and Hologram Janeway plays the innocence very convincingly. Yeah. I mean, we also don't know what's going on on the USS Shovel at all. Like, Janeway has been karate chopped is commander Davi Diggs in charge like yeah. do they know that she's been karate chopped like what's going on over there is it captain table ring <laughs> at this point in time yeah could be have to wait for the next exciting episode we sure will Adam but before we get to that we gotta check our priority one inbox Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Ben, our first priority one message is from Ad, Al, Josh, Pat, Is, and Jules. And the message is to Paul. That message goes like this. Bud, 
You are the greatest game master and friend who ever lived. Happy 40th! Wow! We love you! And look forward to 40 more years of gaming. Staying up way too late, talking about Star Trek, and generally being drunk Shimodas. Or Shimode, or Shimoda, plural. Your place on Mount Gygax is secure. We love you! Damn. Paul, hell yeah. Congrats on 40. Paul being rewarded for 40 great years of gaming and friendship, punished with another 40 more years. <laughs> yeah, like Sisyphus, Paul. Yeah. You're, you're never going to finish the game. <laughs> you're much like the game in this episode of Star Trek Prodigy. It's designed to be endless. Yeah. Yeah. Or the Michael Douglas movie, The Game, mm. which is very confusing. Yeah, there's a weird clown at one part. That's a fun fincher. Yeah, it's a fun fincher. A minor fincher, but fun. You know, like people forget about the game, but it's a fun fincher. People forget about the clown. Yeah. Adam, our next priority one message is from Captain Liz Soto, and it is to Mad Madame Mare, a.k.a. The Dith, a.k.a. Meredith, goes like this. Flying to Vegas for one night to do something inspired by a Star Trek pod was only slightly crazy, but it finally allowed us to procure the elusive hoof. After our failed quest a year ago, it was great to finally take those hoofs to the dome. Ben and Adam, the first round at the Tiki Bar is on me if you join us FODs on the Star Trek cruise in Feb. Whoa! How about that? I didn't know there was another Star Trek cruise happening. Oh, yeah. This is the one Star Trek event that hasn't been canceled lately. <laughs> Dang. The cruise goes on. The cruise continues apace. Man, I kind of like to go on that cruise, TBH. TBH, me too. I mean, not not that kind of me too, but TBH, I would also like to go. Me as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that phrase is really uh, what was once a very innocent phrase. A little bit, you got to be kind of careful about how you roll it out. <laughs> Hashtag, I would also like to go. <laughs> is how I feel about the cruise. Hashtag, I don't want to go on all cruises. <laughs> Hashtag, but I do want to go on that one. I can't believe the Dith and Captain Liz Soto went and got hooves just based on our show. That's awesome. Yeah, dude. Well, I mean, stay tuned to our uh, Warning Boy segment for a variation of that. Wow. Oh, man. If you'd like to leave a Priority One message on the show, we encourage you to do so. Head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron to set one up today. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Barnessing a Frank. He's got funny hair and teeth. He's got a little loaf. He's just a short guy and he's very silly. Lying to Jane Way. Trying to cover his own up ass up. Barnes Franks. Barnes Franks. Barnes Franks. Barnes Franks. Barnes Franks. Barnes Ripley was outside, and she came running over to the door. <laughs> See what was wrong. Yeah. She thought her special friend was in distress. Hi, yeah. puppy. Aren't you? Very much so, Ben. But who's your Barnes Franks? I'm going to give it to Rock Talk for having a game too silly for even us to get to experience. Mm-hmm. We only get to see the characters from Rock Talk's game. Yeah. But um, I'm guessing if your game has glitter smooches in it, it's just just couldn't be a sillier game. Are they supposed to be like Pokemons, these glitter smooches? I think so. Was I wrong to say Tamagotchi? No, I think 
I think you're right-ish. You're going to have to get to know some of this tech, Ben, before Daron gets old enough for toys. I know. I'm going to have to like experience the media with Daron and, and make sure that I like <laughs> sign off on it, You know, make sure it comports with our values as a family. Yeah. You don't want to accidentally show them pirate stuff before they're ready. Right, right. Ben, my Barnes Franks is going to be Murph. How many examples of this are there? It feels like it's all over Star Trek. The old-timey jazz clubification <laughs> of our characters and an interest in crooning. Yeah. Right? This is like in the DNA of Star Trek here. Yeah. I mean, I feel like at this point it's like homage to yeah. earlier Star Trek stuff. Like when it showed up in Deep Space Nine, for example, it was clearly just a bunch of old white guys in the writer's room going, I like this. I want to add it to the show. Right. And now it's like, this is a thing in Star Trek and, and we're going to celebrate this weird part of Star Trek's DNA. Yeah. It's okay now. It's yeah. okay because we're lightly sending it up. <laughs> hey, that's what we do. Yeah. That's our job. Stay away from our turf, Waltke. <laughs> uh, wow. Well, this has been a really fun episode. Adam, we always close out the show by uh, selecting a message on social media by a friend of DeSoto. Uh, when, when people mention the show online, it, it helps us out a ton because it helps get the word out about uh, what we do. And every social media post is a potential new listener or two. So we like to say welcome to the new listeners and thank the people that tweet. But those, those tweets and social media posts of all kinds can also serve as a warning, can't they? That's right. That's why we call them warning buoys. Prepare a buoy and launch it when ready. Warning buoys. An emergency buoy. A warning buoy. The message today is no different, Ben, but it is also related to the Priority One message from earlier. Really? Because this message comes... From a Twitter account with the handle eSucarda. Uh -huh. And it comes with a picture. The caption for the picture is, After a failed search last year, a return quest to Vegas to find the elusive hoof has ended successfully. Whoa. Get ready, dome. <laughs> <laughs> and then this is at the Greatest Trek and hashtag Greatest Trek accounts. With it is a picture of two very happy FODs taking two of not these small hoofs, but these are like medium and large size hoofs they are taking to the dome here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I still have my hoof, and uh, it is significantly smaller than the ones that these FODs snagged. Wow. But this looks like a, a ton of fun. Yeah, a great FOD hang. Unfortunately, I think it meant that they went to the Rio to get these, but look, you can make the Rio a lot of fun based on the size of your hoof. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe the Rio's back. We don't know. What if the Rio's back, baby? I mean, the Rio's back for the convention this year. Yeah. Unless it gets canceled. <laughs> yeah. That, that's going around. Hey, great message, and love seeing the hoof picks. Yeah. Even if they are a warning to other people about what our show can sometimes be about. Yeah. I think maybe the most aptly named warning bois yet. <laughs> Very true. If you'd like to get your post in the Warning Bois section of the show, just tag at Greatest Trek on your social media account, and uh, maybe we'll find it. Want to thank Ryan for being our special guest editor of today's episode? Yeah. Here is Ryan to tell us all about what the next episode of Star Trek Prodigy will be about. Take it away, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Greatest Trek is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. It's hosted by Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica, and it's produced by Wendy Pretty. This week's episode was edited by Ryan Whedon. Next up on Star Trek Prodigy, it's Season 1, Episode 18, Mindwalk. Desperate to warn Starfleet of their dilemma, a daring experiment goes awry as Dow inadvertently swaps minds with a Starfleet Vice Admiral. Adam Ragusea created the original music for this show, you can check out his YouTube cooking channel or podcast by searching Adam Ragusea. Shoutouts to Nick Dittmore, who designed the show's artwork, and Bill Tilly, who wrangles the show's social media accounts. Follow at Greatest Trek on Instagram and Twitter and use the hashtag Greatest Trek to talk about the show online. 
Thanks to everyone who supports the show financially. If you'd like to schedule a P1 or make a monthly donation, you can do so at MaximumFun.org. Rating and reviewing the show, as well as recommending it to someone, are all great ways to show your support for free. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Greatest Trek. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.